0: I know I'm human. And if you were all these things, then you'd just attack me right now. So some of you are still human. This thing doesn't want to show itself. It wants to hide inside an imitation. It'll fight if it has to. But it's vulnerable out in the open. If it takes us over, then it has no more enemies. Nobody left to kill it. And then it's one. Oh, sorry about that. Wow, a little rusty here, huh? Welcome back to another thrilling installment of the TomCast podcast. It's been a little while, hasn't it? Well, we're back. It's Halloween season. We try. We wanted to try and do something for Halloween because we love Halloween. We love Halloween movies and uh, exploring fun elements of the genre. We've We've been talking about this, and when I say we, I am, of course, referring to today's co-host, my brother, Mark, who will be joining with us momentarily, uh, we've been d- in discussions for a lot of different podcasts. And, and you know, it, it, the, the issue's always been the same one. It's time management. And, and how do we get make the time to get together and get this, these, the, the many, many episodes we have discussed off the ground. By the way, this is the TomCast podcast, and my name is Tom. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, we still have TomCast podcast on Twitter and Instagram, by the way, if you give a damn. <laughs> I'm just picking up this show. Like, I know the three people that are listening to it, and uh, like, why bother doing all the introduction stuff? But, anyways, I apologize for that. I should be a professional podcaster here. Uh, but as I was saying a moment ago, uh, the issue with the TomCast podcast has been one of time management. And, uh, you know, that's been tricky. That's that's hard. People got a lot going on in their lives. I'm no exception. And, uh, you know, I've just been putting my efforts into maintaining uh, MandoVision, which has been a lot, a lot of fun. Uh, even though this show is a bit more um, Wild Wild West in that sense, which made it a lot of fun as well. Uh, but just something about talking about Star Wars makes me happy, you guys. I don't know what to tell you. But again, like I said, I love the TomCast podcast. I was hoping we could do more of these episodes th- you know, sporadically throughout the year, but it, this is really the first time we've had a chance to sit down and do it. So Mark and I are going to get together today, and we have got what we think is going to be a really fun episode for everybody, because we are sitting down talking about one of our favorite all-time movies, the 1982 John Carpenter's The Thing, with starring the, the great Kurt Russell. Uh, it's a m- massively impactful film. It's uh, cinematically important it is one of the in my opinion finest movies ever made it is outstanding stuff uh, and then <laughs> we're comparing it and contrasting it with the 2011 the thing uh, which is something of a prequel something of a reboot at the same time um, and we're gonna t- we're gonna we're gonna kind of like I said, compare and contrast those two particular pictures. Uh, I don't want to get too far ahead, but obviously, I, I painted a very picture, a very uh, a detailed picture of how uh, the high regards in which I hold John Carpenter's the thing in. And listen, what well, I'll just say right now, like the the 2011 one doesn't doesn't hold a candle. <laughs> it, it really doesn't. I'm sorry, sorry, not sorry. But let's go ahead and get into the particulars. We'll start with the thing from 1982 a plot a research team in Antarctica. in oh my goodness in a research team in antarctica is hunted by a shape-shifting alien that assumes the appearance of its victims our top cast for this film is kurt russell is mccready wilford brimley is blair keith david is childs richard mauser is clark uh should we stop there richard dysart is dr cooper charles hallern is vance norris There's a bunch of people in this movie. Uh, Donald Moffat is is Gary. Uh, You may recognize him from Clear and Present Danger as the president. Uh, There's just a lot of people in this film that you will recognize from many other films, particularly if you uh, are an an enjoyer of 80s cinema. Uh, As I said, the movie is directed by the great John Carpenter. It is written by Bill Lancaster. He did the screenplay for it. And... uh, uh, I don't know what else to tell you about this movie. That you, If you don't know it already, watch it. It's amazing. It's great. You will not regret it. All right, and then for the 2011 The Thing, here's our plot. At an Antarctic research site, the discovery of an alien craft leads to a confrontation between graduate student Kate Lloyd and scientist Dr. S- uh, Sander Halverson. I guess that's one way to describe it. Um, this is a movie actually with a really good cast, too. I, I shouldn't diminish that aspect of it. Uh, and, in the lead, we have we have Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Kate Lloyd. Joel Edgerton as Carter. Uh, Ulrich Thomason is also in this. Eric Christian Olsen. Uh, uh, the guy who plays Lupin is in this. <laughs> I can't say his name. I'm sorry. I'm not even going to try. But he's a fine, fine gentleman. <laughs> um, and that's kind of our primary members, right? A lot of, uh, a lot of uh, a Scandinavian dudes in this cast, in this, in this one. Uh, their, their names are fun to look at, but not easy to pronounce. It's directed by Matthias van... Oh boy. Hygieningen Jr. I apologize, sir. I, do, I really do. Um, written by Eric Heisserer uh, based on the John W. Campbell Jr. story. Uh, I'm sure Mark is going to get into this. Uh, we, we will also talk about the original The Thing from the Outer Space. Think from another think from world. I think... No. What the heck was the original one called? Well, we're going to talk about it anyways. Um, so get ready to have that come up in this as well. And listen. Yeah. We are, think from another world. I did get it right. From 1951. Great flick. Really, really good as well. But I don't think we're going to deep dive too much on that. We're going to spend a lot of time with uh, the two main films of this. The 1982, 2011. Uh, that being said... Uh, let's go ahead and link up with our brother. my bro- <laughs> let's link up with my brother. Holy God. Uh, this is a rough podcast. I don't remember how to do the podcast at all, fellas. I, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I hope you're here for um, <laughs> the shenanigans that will uh, no doubt be happening throughout the podcast. Uh, how do we even transition? I don't remember. I did I have not done the show in such a long time. Let's just go ahead and get into the show. Uh, pop heads, let's pop on. I, <laughs> the struggle is real, friends. We're going to draw a little bit of everybody's blood. Because we're going to find out who's the thing. Watching Norris in there gave me the idea that maybe every part of him was a whole. Every little piece was an individual animal with a built-in desire to protect its own life you see when a man bleeds it's just tissue
1: my blood from one of you things won't obey when it's attacked it'll try and survive crawl away from a hot needle say
0: all right join us now via the power of the internet and Skype My brother, Mark, is here. Welcome back to the TomCast Podcast, a show that I don't know how to record anymore because I've just forgotten everything. Uh, How are you doing, sir?
1: Good. How are you?
0: Happy Halloween. Uh, We're back. The tradition barely continues. We've done it. We've done it again. (laughs) We somehow snuck this one in under the wire. (laughs) Right. Uh, And we're here to talk about two movies, one of which we really, really like. And then the other one exists. Is that a fair way to describe it? Yeah,
1: maybe. maybe. My feelings might be a little bit stronger about that second one.
0: <laughs> well, you can't deny that it doesn't exist, can you?
1: It does exist.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's all that can be said. Well, we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, obviously, I think for for most people who are familiar with John Carpenter's The Thing, uh, it's it's sort of – What's what's a great way to describe it it It's like one of the original cult classics, basically, like this is a movie that, yes. that didn't do well when it came out in nineteen eighty two much like Blade Runner, which I think came out right around the same time
1: and thought Blade Runner was eighty one maybe it was eighty two I don't know I think I'm pretty sure it's eighty
0: two <laughs> but uh you know neither one of those movies did well at the box office. They were kind of panned at the time uh but, but they found their audience. Via uh, via the power of, of home video and, and uh, rentals and stuff like that, and then eventually you know TV and um, HBO and all this all this other good stuff. So it, it's kind of like one of the one of the early '80s cult classic movies that that now has been re- reevaluated by critics and hailed as like this masterpiece of cinema. And I can't argue with that. I love this movie. It's great. I came to it. I came to it pretty late, Mark. I I don't know when was the first time you saw the thing.
1: I came to it kind of late, too. I think first time I saw it, uh, I think I was like 18.
0: Yeah, I think that's about, about right, because I think I was in my late teens or, or or right there at 20 or so. Because my recollection is that this was like one of the first DVDs I ever bought.
1: I, I don't think it was one of the first I ever bought, but... Um... Yeah, I think the first time I saw it was like a crappy pan scan rental from Blockbuster. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I remember buying. – I'm Pretty sure I bought the DVD of this uh, at Circuit City, and watched it on my computer because I think at the time we didn't have a DVD player at home. The only DVD player oh, okay. we had was on our on the computer. And so yeah, that makes sense. Pretty sure I watched this on a computer. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you know, late to the party, but it was awesome. The effects are incredible. the The cast, the story, the direction. I it's it's a really great flick, and it's I believe it holds up insanely well today.
1: How about yes. you? Um, I've always liked this film, but I think this this last watch uh, is the first time I saw it in HD, and for me, I've. It really felt like I was seeing the movie for the first time. Like, like I said, I always liked it, but my opinion of it really elevated after this this last viewing. I think it. I think yes, you're right. It holds up insanely well, um, but just certain elements of it were really standing out to me as just being like so perfect. Like Dean Cundy's cinematography, um, the the score, everything about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can't argue with anything you said. Uh, I, I, th- I think for me, one of the one of my favorite elements of this movie is sort of like the rewatchability of it because uh, it's it's such a more layered movie than it gets credit for. Like, there's little things in there. I think that each time you watch it, you kind of pick up new little things here and there. And you, at least for me, uh, I every time I've rewatched it, I sort of reevaluate my opinion of the thing of like how this organism kind of works. Um, I'm okay. I'm really sort of I just sort of really find the rewatchability of the movie so much fun and and uh you know there's not a lot of movies you can say that about where you you know you you kind of find new things to think about each time you rewatch it you know you're you're kind of playing that game you know like McCready is you're trying to figure out who the thing is right and it's you know it's, it's right it's just a really i don't know it just adds kind of, kind of a real fun kind of interactiveness with it which again uh, it, uh, the movie was definitely ahead of its time i i think that's that it's very clear nowadays. Yes. You know, looking back and seeing how, how little people respected it and thought of it and that it took a, a good stretch of time. Uh, I, I, again, I think you're a damn fool if you don't enjoy this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and like you, you know, you hit on it. The, the, the practical effects in this movie are awesome.
1: Yeah. So good.
0: I, I can't get enough of it. I just love that scene with the, with the, with the shock paddles. Like it, it doesn't get old. <laughs>
1: I mean, yeah, that is, that is the scene and it's, it's great. It's, it's kind of, you know, it's like the thing itself where like you were saying about the movie itself, it's like layer upon layer where it's just like, it gets crazier and crazier and crazier. Just like his stomach <laughs> opening the head stretching off and, Growing legs legs and
0: crawling away. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it's just yeah, it's just so good.
0: So, uh, uh, you know, uh, in the in the the introduction, I gave the plot of the film, and you know, I I think it uh, merits discussing about. You know, once again here, you know, an Antarctic research team, the middle of nowhere, finds something in the ice. Well, they don't find something in the ice. Somebody else found something in the ice. They just come across the 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 remnants. Of, yes. of what it did to this Norwegian team. Right. And now it wrecks, wreaks havoc through their camp. But that's one of the elements that I think is so much fun is when they go to that Norwegian camp, and they find that huge block of ice and all these different things, and, and they're kind of like, what the heck happened here? Yeah. Um, the movie does a great job with its sort of uh, induced paranoia and with the fear of the people around you.
1: Absolutely. Very tense, it's, very taut. Yeah. Like right from the beginning, it, you know, it starts setting it up because you're immediately wondering why this helicopter is shooting at this dog. And so you're immediately suspecting the dog, like, you know, something is wrong mm-hmm. and that something is up with this dog. And so uh, right from the very beginning, they're they're establishing that paranoia.
0: Yeah. And, and the, the location, I think lends itself really well too. Cause you know, you sort of have to factor in like these guys are probably sick of each other. <laughs> they probably don't like each other that much to begin with. They're, they're, they're right. doing their job. They tolerate being around each other nonstop for wh- whatever duration uh, the, this assignment lasts for them, you know? Yeah. So like they're, they're in a, in a state of mind already where they don't like the people next to them. They probably don't trust them too much anyways. Um, but then you have to examine the and look at, like, well, how well do I really know this person anyways?
1: You, right.
0: You know, it's not like you can – you know, they never they never even bother to play the game of, like, oh, ask me a question that only you would know the answer to. Because they don't give a shit about each other in that regard. You can't play that game with the thing because the, these guys are on edge already. They, they, don't, yeah. they don't like that fucker over there. Like, Childs and and McCready want to kill each other before the movie even starts. <laughs> they, they don't like each other at all. Yeah.
1: Well, that, I mean, they also, you know, they don't really understand how the thing works and that if it is, if it is perfectly copying these people, like, does it somehow absorb their consciousnesses as well and have access to their memories and things like that? So,
0: But I'm sort of glad they don't even go down that rabbit hole. I'm sort of glad they don't play that game.
1: No, but I mean, I think it's, you know, it's kind of, it's it's one of those things you were saying, um, how each time you watch the movie, there's kind of different things to, to think about. And I think, I think even though they don't go down that rabbit hole, I think you as the audience definitely kind of wonders about those things. Oh,
0: for sure. I mean, it's, I, I've always sort of, this is my own personal sort of like kind of speculation. Um, was was that the the thing, is is different in that sense that it's a perfect physical copy, but not a mental copy, because to me again this is all me. I sort of wondered if they 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 wanted to stay away from that because they didn't want to be like um, body snatcher kind of thing, you know. They I think mm-hmm. they wanted to stay away from that comparison, away from that parallel. But I could be wrong. That's me. That's my own personal opinion on the matter.
1: Well, um. John Carpenter and both uh Kurt Russell, um, their commentary on the film, uh, which I listened to on, on the old DVD, but is from the old uh laserdisc, they were saying that that that, was, that 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 was something they did think about. Um, but again, like so much else with the film, they decided to leave it ambiguous. They they didn't want to answer. That question but it, it is a real possibility in both of their minds that it that it could be uh absorbing their their memories and things like that
0: i mean yeah yeah but i i think i mean maybe that's one of the, one of my favorite aspects of the movie is that it just stays ambiguous about so many different levels of it it's not so just, many things it's not yeah. just the ending that's ambiguous it's a lot of stuff in the film you know right it, it's 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 a survival movie in the, in like the purest sense in that regards. Cause it's like, we don't have time to answer these questions or we're going to die.
1: <laughs> yeah. It wouldn't even really make sense for them to find answers to those questions. Right. Unless it was just a very different movie.
0: Well, yeah. 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 And one of the things I do like about the film too, also the way it starts with you, you mentioned it, the dog, uh, you know, they're shooting at it. It, 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 Makes his way in, into the Americans' camp, and immediately, like everyone's around that dog, so everyone's a suspect. You know, again, the yeah. you know the first time you watch the movie, you don't know exactly what's wrong with the dog, but you know something's wrong with the dog.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> and like I think
1: it's it's like licking Benning's face. And, yeah, so like there's, you know. there's these,
0: these moments where it's, it's 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 the dog has come in contact with just about everybody at that station. I'm I'm yeah. pretty sure I've linked it to everybody by now, and and so like that means the suspicion is on everyone, you know, as the audience yeah. like you, you can't play that game. <laughs> like it's a really yeah. hard game to play where you're like, oh, at this time this is the thing. And it's like they could all be the thing at at certain points in the movie. I mean, it's wild.
1: Yeah, and it's it's it what's really funny is um I didn't. I didn't watch many of these, but there are so many videos on YouTube about oh like so and so is the thing. McCready was always the thing. <laughs> like...
0: I know. That I you know I've avoided those those kind of internet rabbit holes because I, it feels like every <laughs> every few months I get something that pops up in my in my because of my algorithm or whatever, and I'm like, I don't need to hear some hipster's dissertation on what they who they think the thing is. I don't care.
1: <laughs> I I agree, but you know, every now and then, every now and then, you do come across one that is very well thought out and very well put together. And it's like mm, I don't agree, but I respect your opinion and I appreciate that you put this much time and effort into it.
0: I mean, if you if you can find ones that are like you know of clear thought and, and and rational, even if you don't agree, is that's yeah. one thing. But I feel like nowadays, I just come across the ones that annoy me because it's like. Oh, that base is full of toxic alpha male masculinity, and I'm like, oh, oh, God.
1: <laughs> oh I mean, I was just talking about speculation about like no, who's saying. I know. The thing. But, I don't. I don't know. But
0: yeah, but, but I mean, I'm sure. Oftentimes, I'm you, get, sure. When you get when you get like these these uh, modern day reexaminations of, of older films that that's the kind of nonsense you have to do uh, deal with, and it's like, yeah, why am I doing this? Yeah, I get so annoyed. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and and I, I I'm throwing this out there. Uh, because I don't know if it's a fact, and I don't know if you know if it's a fact, but I feel like the thing was a massive influence in Star Trek Deep Space Nine for the Changelings. Oh, I don't know. Because I don't know how much of that I, you watch, but like all the blood stuff they do in this movie, they use in Star Trek later for the Changelings. Oh.
1: Probably, like I dropped it. I loved Deep Space Nine, but I like I never got to finish it. I don't know how the Dominion War is. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I've heard a certain other podcast spoil it, but that's fine. It's <laughs> thirty years old at this point. Um, <laughs> it's it's my fault. Um, so yeah, I i I'm probably I, I I think at the time that Deep Space Nine was going on, I probably still hadn't seen the thing. So I was probably just thinking like T one thousand.
0: Oh sure, yeah, because you know it was like the the kind of computer ship shifting stuff like that, that morph effect, yeah. You know? But like the, the 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 way McCready does the blood stuff, it it reminded I was like, oh yeah, this is like almost. I, I think Star Trek maybe took a page out of this movie for the the you know whenever. They were trying to figure out like, who the infiltrators were that were actually changelings and stuff like that in, in, in the Dominion War. But I digress. I don't want to go down the Star Trek path. But yeah, I think that's just how important this movie is, Like how uh, influential it is. Like, there's so many great moments of tension. And I mean, you know, the, the blood scene in particular is awesome. <laughs> yeah. with, them, with them tied to the chair, all tied together. And then when the, when the thing shows up, <laughs> and they're all freaking out, tied to the chair, he's like, get me out of this thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's great. It's so good. <laughs> uh, uh, Keith David is incredible when he's like, just a look on his face when he's like try give me out this chair <laughs> yeah
1: him and uh, uh, what's his name Donald Moffat Moffat yeah. Gary yeah. 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 yeah
0: yeah exactly yeah, yeah uh, that, uh, this movie does so many things so well and I guess you know I don't want to go down uh, we don't have to hit like, every single beat in the movie but are there any that really stand out to you as, as being just
1: like this scene right here oh man like kind of like i was saying about about this last viewing of it i mean it all just came together perfectly for me i think i think every moment is great and does exactly what it's supposed to do i I mean i think i think the two standout scenes are the dog kennel scene Mm -hmm. and you know the the, fibri- the defibrillator scene right um you know the, those are the ones i think that your mind automatically goes to but you know really i think what's all, what's really stood out to me has always been the scene at the at the norwegian camp i think it's i think it's handled so well McCready and um dr copper uh going through the remains of the camp and just the amount of mystery the the set design the lighting the the music it it builds so much um mystery and 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 tension that i just i I think it's great
0: It, it it really is and and you know carpenter's never been a director to well Rarely has Carpenter been a director to uh, uh, like pad his movies with like a lot of like fluff or anything, uh, and right. uh, the leanness of this movie I think is to its credit because it's, it's like what 102 minutes.
1: I mean, it's 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 fast. I don't think it's that I, th- I think it's like is it like 97? No. I, I was gonna. No, I think you're right. I think I think it's like 100 minutes. It, yeah, I mean, I it's, think so, it's just over an hour and a half. It's,
0: yeah, it's it's well short of of you know the two hour mark. And, it, yeah. and, it, and it, it, it's. Oh, well, wait a second here. This is an hour forty nine. I don't believe that for a second. Hour forty nine. Does that sound right to you?
1: Oh, maybe. <laughs> Pause the podcast. Or... Well,
0: <laughs> well, to my point, though, what I was getting at really is, is that the, the movie goes really fast. It is it is insanely well paced. So even yes. again, still okay. Even if it's 110 minutes long, which is you know r- kind of what they're saying right here, 109 whatever, um, it flies by really fast. There's not a lot of extra nonsense in this. There's no nonsense in this movie. Like everything you see from the opening shot to the closing shot is vital. It's all important stuff. There's there's no cushy nonsense scene that could have been deleted out or trimmed up here and there. No, no, no. It's all there. Everything you need for this movie is there on the screen. Nothing. There's no time for you to be like, Oh, I can run to the bathroom real quick. No, no, no you got to pay attention right here. Right. Cause things are about to happen. And once things start happening in this movie, they happen quick. Yes. You know, you get other than, uh, you know, McCready's making a couple speeches with some blow torches on his back. Um, <laughs> you know, that's it, but they're good speeches. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't think you can. I don't think you can walk out at that point either. You know, because that's that's no, how there, there, lean you know, should, it is. It's yeah. like every everything is is necessary.
0: Yeah, it it really really isn't. And, and, and you know, that's just not how they do a lot of movies these days. And I, I really wish filmmakers would go back to. uh, uh that's just stop it. You know, the,
1: the sort of lean mean style of filmmaking.
0: Yeah, just like quick, lean, fast. Just get me where we need to go. There, I mean, there are filmmakers that you know they can make their three-hour opuses and they're great. But you know, like, like we talked about, one of the reasons why this movie's so rewatchable because it's it, it's it's quick. Mm-hmm. You know, even even if it is an hour and hour and, and uh, hour forty-nine, and, yeah, hour forty-nine. That's a, a fast hour forty-nine.
1: Yeah. yeah, and I mean, you know, it's still it's still less than two hours. Mm-hmm. You know, so it doesn't take it doesn't take your whole day. Yeah, and you don't have to. You don't have to plan too much around it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's good explosions, lots of blowtorches. You have uh, <laughs> evil Wilford Brimley. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, and good Wilford Brimley. And
0: good. He, he's good. And then he, you know, gets a little crazy. Then he gets a little infected.
1: <laughs> I mean, but, you know, how crazy was it? He, he you know. I, I mean, at that point, you don't know if he's the thing when he's... Smashing everything he, up. He could already be the thing, or he's trying to you know, make sure no one's able to leave and infect the rest of the human population.
0: Yeah, because he's running those fancy computer simulations down there.
1: That's right, yeah.
0: What, what did it say? Like, the total infection of the human population in, like, 72... 72- 100 hours or something or whatever? It was like, yeah,
1: something like that. I think I I did the math on it and I think it was like just over like three years.
0: <laughs> God, three <laughs> years. I feel like it'd be way faster. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, I don't I, – I guess we'll just – let's just get into it. So like by comparison's sake, uh, for some reason, somebody decided – that the money. story, okay, the answer to all things is money. I get it. <laughs> but at some point, someone decided, like, hey, we really need to know. We need a movie that tells us what happened at that Norwegian base. And I was like, no, we don't. We
1: know what happened. It wasn't good. Well, and I, you know, I think the, the, the thing about that is in, in Carpenter's The Thing they go to the Norwegian camp and it builds all this mystery of, wow, what happened here? You don't need another film to answer that because they answer it in the thing. It's pretty much exactly what (laughs) happens to to the American American case. Like that's the whole point of the movie is like, it's answering that question that it gives you at the beginning.
0: Yeah. So, so that
1: that was sort of the thing, right? So when, when, you know, you and
0: I hatched this, this idea a while ago, uh, and this year we were finally able to bring it to fruition and what you – I guess you didn't realize it until right before we started recording was I had never seen the 2011 thing. I had zero right. interest in it. So um, I was like, I haven't watched it yet. I haven't watched it. Yet. And you were getting mad at me. And I was like, Mark, I've never it – was, it wasn't until today that you realized I've never seen it. It wasn't just I needed to watch it again to like re- get a refresher. I had never, ever sat down to watch this movie. <laughs> and by the end of it, I was like, well, I, now I know why I never sat down to watch this movie. <laughs> Because yeah. it's uh, I, I texted you last night when I was about halfway through it. I was like, I was like, I, I don't understand why this needed to be made. I don't, do yeah. it. I don't. They're not telling me anything that we don't figure out watching the thing from
1: 1982. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, you know, there. Yeah, the, I mean, there really is no reason for it. It's not that you know, it's not even that it it couldn't have been good, but it. It, they just, they just kind of did everything wrong in trying to in in trying to remake the thing, and because that's all it is, it's just a a remake and a prequel at the same time, a premake, I guess. I don't, I don't that, know that, what you would call it, but I like that. um, what's that?
0: No, I like that. I thought premake. I thought that was pretty good.
1: <laughs> um. Uh, Sorry, lost lost the, lost the thread there.
0: Um, no, it's okay. It, it's just I, – I, I think the filmmakers went into the movie with good intentions because I, I, I do think they respect and, and probably admire the Carpenter flick. You know, And, yeah. and I, I think they went into it like, like oh, we're going to do this wonderful homage and we're going to kind of uh, use the mythology and, and maybe try to expand it a little bit and do all these different things. Um, but it just doesn't come together in the right ways. You know, it's a good cast. It's a really good cast, but like their story, like you said, it's, um, it's, it's just feeding us the the thing again. You know, I mean, we we saw this. What what new? What did they bring new to the table to make this movie worth investing your time
1: into? Right. I. I, You know, and I think I, I think you're right. I think most of the filmmakers came at it with the best of intentions. Um, I, I think in large part, it was probably very exciting for the special effects people because the thing is so influential within that that um, sort of sub-industry. Um, you know, and we talked a, a little bit, texted a little bit about this last night, but the film was originally supposed to be all practical effects. And I think they were... I think from their perspective, they really wanted to showcase like, here's what we can do with modern practical effects, you know, and, and it could have been a showcase for that, but then, and, and there's kind of some debate about who made the decision to switch it to digital, uh, CG effects. There's some debate about whether it was the director or the producer, um, I just tend to think it's usually a producer's fault. Um, Cause I think producers by and large just don't really understand filmmaking. Um, a lot of them anyways, not, not all of them. Um, so, so yeah, then, then it just becomes like, well, like you said, what's, what's kind of the, the point of this and you know, the, the creature effects, the, not, the, The the digital effects are not that great, but then in terms of, like, creature design, it's almost like they don't really, they don't do anything different with it. You know, we see so many different iterations of the thing in in the 82 version, and in this one, it's, like, every version is just, like, a mouth in someone's chest and (laughs) tentacles spraying out of it. Right. It's just kind of, and, like, nothing else. Like, that's all they, that's all they had until and we were talking about this before we recorded, they decide to uh, have the thing awkwardly try to melt itself into another person.
0: yeah this you know this it's not that the CJ is bad or anything but it's just so disappointing it's not great though it's not great but it's, it, it, it just was disappointing to see them yeah. go that route and, yeah and, it, and it, like like you know like we were saying like I think they went into this uh, intending to like homage that movie. And then, as you said, some, some producer probably was like, well, this is actually cheaper if you just do it in the computer. And it's like, well, I don't give a shit about your computer.
1: Yeah. I, so, supposedly the reasoning for it, uh, and, and again, money is usually the answer to everything. But the reason I've heard is that whoever made this made this decision said that they thought the practical effects made it look dated and that people would laugh at it. Well, not people who um, appreciate practical effects and <laughs> Well exactly. I mean that's that's someone who just doesn't really they're, they're not really paying attention because I think at that point there was already a fervor for a return to practical effects, you know, at this point we were what 6 years out from the Star Wars prequels where people were saying, you know, there's just like too much CG in this, why don't, you know, and, and that's that's why with Force Awakens they they went back to incorporating like a lot of, um, a lot of practical effects in that, you know, and I, I, there was already a desire for that. So that, that's just a person who doesn't, he's not paying attention to what people are interested in.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just, it just feels like it's become easier to do the computer, you know, it's like, oh, this yeah. is, you know, we, 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 we've gone full circle on, on CGI where it's, it, it's it's now it's like the default kind of setting, right? It's like, oh, just do it on the computer, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it's sort of like the, the Jurassic park thing, you know, just because you can do something on computers, not mean, you should do something on a computer, <laughs> you know, right. it's, yeah. it's like, you know, let again again, maybe this is just like the, the, the sort of, and I don't even want to use this word, but sort of like the cinema snob in me where I'm just like, I want to see some dude put it, put his heart in like these creature and monster effects. Like, like we used to get back in the day, like in Carpenter's The Thing, you know, like, like yeah. guys like uh, Harry Winston and Phil Tippett and, you know, all these like legends used to get to do, you know, it's right. like, now who walks, Mark, you're more plugged into the Hollywood scene more than I am. But like who walks around Hollywood says so like, you know, you know who my favorite uh, a CGI guy is, right? Like, That's not a thing.
1: <laughs> well I mean you know there's there are some names there's like there's your John Lassiters and John Knowles and you know guys like that but John, um, John
0: Knowles came up making Star Wars
1: <laughs> Well sure but he did did a great job
0: <laughs> yeah but these are guys and I think Lasseter too like these are all guys who came from a pat- practical background
1: they came from sure but I mean their their work in the digital sphere is is just as renowned you know and like they they pioneered a lot of that stuff and yeah um
0: sure no i get it uh it's just it's just it's just i guess like i said i just thought it was disappointing um there i don't want to sound like i'm just gonna shit all over the 2011 one I mean, I kind of want to, but
1: I will. That's okay.
0: There, there. Okay. So I, I was gonna ask you. There's one element of that movie that I was sort of like, well, that's kind of interesting, and I wanted to get your opinion on it. Okay. Because I didn't outright hate it, and I was like, okay, I see what they're doing. Here's like the one thing they're trying to change up from the '82. This is <laughs> this is the different direction we're going in. Uh, the okay. idea that the thing uh, just is just replicates like natural tissue and, and rejects non-organic material, I guess. Is that the best way to put yeah. that? Like when you see, when you, when they find you know, they have to have, they have to have their own autopsy scene in this movie. Uh, Cause if we, if we didn't say it initially, uh, this movie, the 2011 thing has, it, 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 it remakes so much of the 82 one. Like it has a lot it's, of the same beats and same moments.
1: It's, it's very much beat for beat. The same thing with a few, few additional few added beats that are completely unnecessary.
0: Right. And so in their autopsy scene, uh, I I believe it's, it's Mary Elizabeth Winslet's character that finds like the metal, uh, like the, the the thing for holding bones together, um, the screws and the plate, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, it was like a big metal rod. If she didn't see it, someone would eventually.
0: (laughs) Right. But, but it's, it's sort of your, your first like, Oh, well here's here. Look an original, something original that's different from the first film. And so that right. kind of becomes their thing. Well, I shouldn't say their thing in the thing. This sort of becomes their uh, uh, identifier, way to sort of separate who is human from who may not be human, and, and that's to look for metal fillings in, in your teeth. Yeah. And I was curious what you thought about that. I, like I said, I, I, this is like the one thing I didn't, give them, I, I didn't ding them for. I was like, well, the, all right, they're trying something a little different. They're trying to add to some mythology here a
1: little bit. They're trying something different. I feel like I've seen that. That's been in something else. So okay, where... I'm
0: glad you said that because I had the feeling that I've seen this before too, but I couldn't remember yeah. when
1: what. Yeah. So, okay. I, it, it's <laughs> it's been in other things. I, again, I couldn't remember what it, what exactly, but it was like I feel like that that's been in something else. so, and so
0: maybe they were copying it, something else, and and
1: maybe. But you know the whole the whole thing about it is um, well. It kind of spoils the ambiguity of the ending of John Carpenter's The Thing yeah. because Childs has an earring at the Ru- in, at, in in that film and he has it at the end of the movie. So it's like, oh, well, I guess he's not the thing because he's got his earring and it's on the right ear. So, OK, he's not the thing. Maybe McCready is. So it kind of ruins it. Yeah, you think so? So, so I, yeah, so I don't I don't like it. I think it's it's perfectly reasonable enough to say that uh, you know when when the thing is cop like maybe it can't uh, um reproduce inorganic material, but maybe you know in the absorption process it kind of it knows where these an earring would go right you know what I mean, right. so it's just kind of like. Whatever it's able to put those pieces back where they're supposed to go when it completes a copy of somebody. Right, right, right.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. I don't know. Like I said, I was trying to find like one positive to take out that movie, and that was what I came away with. But I think you're right. I think I ultimately am just clutching at grasping at straws here to to find something in the film to make it not so
1: blah. Yeah, and that's the thing, like, again, like, like I, I don't mind it, but it did also, to me, it just felt like, well, they have to do a test scene. This is the best that they could come up with without it being exactly what it is in the John Carpenter thing. Right. And so th- this is what we get. And it almost, and it just feels, it almost feels lazy, you know, because in the, in the Carpenter thing, You've got Kurt Russell holding everyone hostage with a blowtorch or uh, uh, a flamethrower and dynamite. Yeah. And, uh, you know, doing this blood test and there's all this tension in the scene. And in this version, it's just Mary Elizabeth Winstead standing there with a flashlight. Open your mouth. (laughs) <laughs> you know let me check you for fill-ins like that's it it's, it's, it's just kind of like womp, womp, womp.
0: yeah it's it's not as it's you're right the suspense isn't there you know when when McCready's putting that that hot copper wire to the to the blood and you're waiting to see the reaction you know and yeah it, like and, and the way the way the carpenter shoots that is is it's just you know masterful stuff you know where it's it's usually someone not quite in the frame you know, like they, yep. they, they, you know, he he gets close in on who you think it's gonna be, like that person with the blood, but then it's just, yeah. oh no, it's the guy just to the right of him. It is, <laughs> you know, it's just those shots are just framed so well, and with the with the Mary Elizabeth version, yeah, there the tension's not there, but also, but I mean, that's also the problem with the, with that entire film is like there's no tension there because no, ultimately you zero. you know, the end of it before it even starts.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, th- I feel like they still could have made something tense and interesting, I think. But I think one of the biggest problems with that movie is, is that it, it's in such a rush. It's, you know, it's the same length as the Carpenter film, but you could tell like they're just in a rush to get to the thing and to get to the special effects. And, you know, in in it doesn't make any sense either because it's almost like it's a completely different creature than the John Carpenter thing because the John Carpenter thing, it's trying to hide. It's trying to blend in and it only reveals itself when it's cornered or when it's alone with somebody. But in this, but in the 2011 thing, it's just like, blah, I'm the thing. I'm going to eat you all, you know, like right away. Almost. It's just, this is bad. <laughs> it's just—it's it's not consistent. You know what I mean, right? Like it's not consistent behavior for this alien creature.
0: Yeah, I, I think that it makes sense. And I—I I guess that was like my, my biggest rub with the movie. it's like I just I did, there was no tension there because I guess the only tension I felt was like, well, it, if they're not all dead by the end of this movie, then it sucks. <laughs> so, and guess what? They weren't.
1: No, they weren't.
0: No, we have I mean, no idea what happens to uh, Doctor, whatever her name is,
1: Doctor Mary Elizabeth Wednesday. <laughs> yes, that one. <laughs> Apparently, she, you know, rides her her tractor to a Russian station. Okay,
0: I, I guess. I mean, were they hoping yeah. to launch this into another? Were they hoping to like spin this movie out into like a, a, another an, another series or something? I mean,
1: I mean, probably money
0: cuz it it did, it did I was amused that they mentioned the russian station being closest as opposed to the american station which we know they're going to get to and then uh you know you and I talked about it you know the movie sort of ends they uh have to, you know with this big you know it's just such modern hollywood hollywood bullshit they have to like this mo- this giant set piece spaceship thing yeah. going on for the final battle between mary elizabeth uh, and 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 um Joel Edgerton's characters versus the thing, and yeah. it's not great. So
1: I don't know. Did I finish making my point? I can't remember. <laughs> you are saying you were saying about the no. I don't think he did. I, I had to interrupt you. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I
0: just I, I just find the end of that movie to be just somewhat frustrating because they they have their big Hollywood set piece the kind of thing, right? Yeah. Uh, and and but of course it's it's not the end <laughs> because. Then you have you get like your uh, you know it it felt like they wanted to kind of have that that scene like they did at the in carpenters with Childs and McCready just staring at each other and they're gonna just wait it out wait it out and it felt like they were maybe gonna go in that direction between uh, Edgerton's character and Mary Elizabeth Winstead's I I didn't bother remember their names I apologize. Um, it's not yeah, worth remembering. Yeah, Edgerton's basically playing like their version of Macready. Anyways, it's like their yeah. their their, their uh, you know analog version or something. Uh, his
1: poor shit version of Macready.
0: Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> and and of course, like you said, like the whole thing with the earring and then so she knows that he's the thing, and she blows you know, blows him away with the with the flamethrower, and blah blah blah. Um, yeah, and then you know, again, and then, and then and then like the movie sort of ends with Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Maybe she's gonna get in that thing after she scrapes his, his burnt, charred remains out of the seat, <laughs> if it still works. Yeah, that's <laughs> what, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> you know, maybe but, yeah. she, maybe she'll go to the Russian station. But no, no,
1: no, 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 no. no. She 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 gets. Well, that's the thing, because she gets in the one that the the evil doctor thing. goes to the spaceship and so So it's not it's not burnt. But you do have to think like, well, I mean, maybe it left something behind. Right. Just in case. Wouldn't you want to torch that one too, just to make sure you're killing all the stuff? Yeah, exactly. And and that's the that's the other thing is that, you know, they say that just like one cell of this thing can eventually corrupt, consume an entire person. So I don't know i feel like getting in that tractor is not a good idea yeah for sure
0: I, I i would agree with that and so you know so they they sort of like i said then you get your fake out ending and then they as, as i think we said it earlier um before we were recording they shoehorn in <laughs> how to tie yes. it to the other movie with the with the husky breaking out through a window and then be like oh wait no we that that's got to be the thing we got to go shoot it now And it's like where did this element come from i feel like they didn't set that up hardly at all
1: well yeah so yeah so i mean it's like the one guy what was his name i don't i don't know uh what these characters names are like olaf or something like that i think Um, think they're all named olaf what's that
0: (laughs) i think they're all named olaf right
1: there is an Olav, but it's not Lars. It's Lars. Oh, Lars. Um, yeah. So it's Lars. So uh, he at one point is tied up with uh, Joel Edgerton's character, right? Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Edgerton's tied up with uh, Mister Echo, and then, and then what's his name? Forget Lars. Lars goes in to check on them, and we see him get, like, yanked aside. But we don't see what pulls him aside. And then he's... We don't see him for the rest of the movie. We assume that he's dead. And, yeah, after, after the, the climax with uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, um, uh, we... Yeah, we... we the, the credits start, and in the mid-credits, we cut back to the Norwegian station, and he runs out of a shed and sees the dog. And then they get in, he and another guy get in a helicopter and chase after it.
0: Yeah, and it's just, it's dumb.
1: It's very shoehorned in, and it's like you couldn't make that more a part of the story. Um, You know, have it end with like him and this other pilot being the only two that remain. And they go after it knowing that they're probably going to die, but they... They have to do that, you know what I mean? Like, like it just didn't feel like there were there were any stakes, and this was a character who, you know, he's throughout the film, but he's not really utilized very well. No, so no. we don't necessarily care that much about him, you know, because he spent so much time with Joel Edgerton and and, and Winstead.
0: Let me ask you this question, and and you know, I'm I'm coming I'm coming at you with this one. All right, so get ready. You to need to put your thinking cap on. Okay. Is there a way to make this movie, this this 2011 version that is compelling and interesting and and full of the tension that you get without being, you know, a, a clone of the 82?
1: You know, I'm um... Um, I believe in the expression, you know, never say never. Nothing's impossible. I, I I feel like there's a way to make this a good movie, but I think this is this ended up being an exercise in how not to do it. Um. Yeah, I I, I don't know I I don't know how you would do it, but I, I'll. One of the things that really. I I find frustrating about this movie is you could tell they, they, they spent a lot of time and care in recreating the Norwegian set Mm -hmm. from the original. And I, so I think it's interesting that the way they completely changed the way the Norwegian camp finds the thing, finds the spaceship. Like, when they find the spaceship, it's it's underground. It's in a cavern, mm-hmm. and we see in John Carpenter's thing that you know they they blow up the ice to uncover it. Right. But it's in this cavern the the entire movie. And I think what they're trying to say is that the things ship started to take off at the end of this movie, and that caused the the ice to collapse and un- and uncover it. But again in the Carpenter film we see them blowing up the ice. It's right. like why you 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 spent all this time and intention on the camp, why didn't you do the same thing with the spaceship because that's like that's just as iconic as the Norwegian as the Norwegian camp. Like there's nothing about the Carpenter film that isn't iconic. You know, and it's like you have to put all these pieces together. Precisely, and it, it was like they—it was just like an afterthought to them. They just said, "Like, well, no one's going to care about that." It's like I—I don't, I don't know. It's baffling to me.
0: Yeah, I—the thing I, I sort of—and again, I've only been thinking about this for a, for a, a small amount of time. The, this is this is probably what I'm about to tell you is probably fraught with um, all kinds of potential pitfalls that would make it just be a disaster as well. And I'm I'm still not I'm still not sure it would solve the problem of making it a different movie than. Eight, uh carpenters, anyways. But I, I sort of was intrigued by the idea when I when I, again I thought about this very late at night. and I was like, well, what if instead of trying to make like a prequel and, and tell a story that we didn't need told, what if they did something a little bit different? Because again, now two thousand eleven, it's a, that's a while ago. All right, twenty the world was a bit different yeah. in twenty ten than it is in twenty twenty three. So I'm, I'm probably looking at it with far too modern eyes. Um, But I was sort of intrigued, I thought about it, I was was sort of intrigued by the idea that, hey, you know, the ice caps are melting and Arctic is actually shrinking. Like, what if we found, like, a bunch of different kind of things happening because of, you know, climate change and all these other issues? And, like, what if we found, I don't know, Child's or MacReady's body and we go from there in a modern setting and and kind of spin it out in in that direction and you can kind Mm. of... Again, do a I don't sequel. want yeah do like a sequel, but in in a bit of a different fashion, and you can kind of explore some different things because uh, you know you're you're opening your film with a, a kind of a again I don't want to get silly because you know how I am about modern day things, but you know like you can you can kind of do like a, a climate change metaphor with the movie if you start messing around with the idea of like oh, oh look what else we're finding now because all this stuff's been hidden in the ice down here like what if there's another thing that shot down the thing. Or like something you know, maybe something was in pursuit of the thing. Maybe something the thing was chasing something. Like there's a lot of ideas you can kind of play with, and and try to get the movie to go in a different direction as opposed to recreating *Carpenters*. Mm-hmm. But again, is it really the thing at that point? I, I guess is what I ultimately came away from. Like, how much do you change it when it's not so that it be, it
1: is? It's... Well, I don't. It doesn't. It doesn't need to be the thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like. It, if you're going to go that route and just do a sequel to it, then, then it shouldn't be the same thing.
0: No, but that's what, that's what I mean though. Like I, the, the, the thing I kept, I keep saying thing in a, in a confusing yeah. fashion, but the, 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 the one uh, incident incidents when I can think of that, that was like, this is what, this is how this should work is alien in aliens. Sure. Because like, yeah, it's the same aliens, but they're very different movies. And like I would have been cool with that.
1: Yeah, I I don't know. I I mean to me it's just I, I just don't think I think this one was unnecessary even if they had done it right. Sure. I, I feel like it would still always come off as being like yeah, it's not really necessary. Um and I don't think a sequel is necessary. And I I I think mm, no matter no. what you do, you just kind of gonna run into that and i feel like like alien and aliens kind of lend themselves to that because that's that's a creature you can you can actually destroy it's hard to kill and there's consequences for doing so with the acid blood and all but like the thing is just how do you how do you defeat a creature that on a cellular level can wipe you out you know Oh, like I said, so I, it, it, it's why, it, it's why the thing is, you know, part of what John Carpenter refers to as his, uh, his apocalypse trilogy.
0: Yeah. I've heard this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I don't think sequels are necessary for anything, but that's not the world we live in. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's only a matter of time for somebody else comes around to the thing again yeah. and, and comes up with another, I mean, another take on it, but. Uh, I, guess, I, I, I guess there's
1: worse ideas. You know? <laughs> I guess that's what I'm saying.
0: About, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, guess, I, I guess I want, if, they, if they're going to keep trying to make the thing into a something every 10, 15, 20 years, whatever, whatever the pattern turns out to be, I, I guess I wish they would take it in that alien direction, you know? Like, don't try to recreate that first one, do, do your own thing. And, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and make it a different film in, in a sense. I don't, you know, I don't know what the answer is because no one's paying me to figure out how to solve that problem. Uh and I don't work for free, right. Mark. I don't work for free. That's good. I don't solve a billionaire's problems for free, Mark. I don't do it. Yep. <laughs> they hey. won't they won't want in mind, noggin? Give me the cash.
1: <laughs> it's a good strategy, yes. but you know.
0: Small unmarked bills, please. Thank you very much.
1: <laughs> you should just knock on Universal Studios' door. Just tell them that you want these ideas. You got to pay for them.
0: That's right. And then I then I like I knock on my head like Spicoli in Fast Times with a shoe. Yeah,
1: you'll you know <laughs> it it imparts uh, immediate value. If I go Spicoli on them, <laughs> yeah, just 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 that, just telling them like. You Want these ideas, you got to pay for them. I know you don't know who I am, but they'll know this is a guy, he must have good ideas. That's right. I mean, that seems to be the
0: way Hollywood works. I'm going to hand him a note, uh, Ron Swanson style that says, I have better ideas than you. It's gonna be awesome. That was he yeah, had the note. That's what that <laughs> No, he had a note. The, uh, the, the park guy came to him and asked him for his permit.
1: I can do what I want, yeah, said, I, I got can do you. What I want,
0: yeah. <laughs> Yeah, which is which I think I think that's the same note that Martin Scorsese hands into studios. I can do what I want.
1: Yeah, <laughs> um, seems like it. <laughs> it I mean, how play. else does the Irishman get made? Oh, I never saw it. I just <laughs> just looked unbearable to me. <laughs> and I say that I like Martin Scorsese, but I didn't want to didn't want to see that.
0: Well, uh, Mark, I don't know. I Feel like we're beating a dead thing here with the with the 2011 one. I don't know. Don't know. There's really much else to say about it. It's it's not great. Uh, if you wanted to do your own compare and contrast, you can definitely watch it. It's it's a movie you can see. It exists in places to stream. <laughs> yeah, I
1: think you know. I, I think the other thing I'd say about it is um, one of the great things about the, the, the Carpenter film is the characters mm-hmm. for a movie with 12 guys who kind of all look the same because they're always wearing parkas and stuff like that. <laughs>
0: have beards and it stuff. does
1: a really good job of differentiating who these characters are by their their personality traits. Um, each character feels very individual and very memorable. Um, but this movie, it was Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Joel Edgerton, and then like 12 Science guys, and th- they were all interchangeable, except for Winstead and Edgerton. The others were just completely the same and unmemorable. Um,
0: what you, know, so. you, got, you, you, you say that about uh, Eric Christian Elson, seriously
1: yeah, yeah uh, you know I mean, I mean fired up is is great, but
0: <laughs> Christopher hes you, say that about him who Christopher His you. He was in Game of Thrones I think half this cast was in Game of Thrones honestly I think were- oh
1: was he was he the one with the big red beard yeah yeah I mean look he's good you know these guys all have like great looks about them uh, but uh you know again at the end of the day they're just generic science guy generic generic science guy I, I mean that's who they are it's just like okay you have glasses and beard you're a science guy uh, you well, know I mean, that's that's kind of it and it it actually so Prior to watching this, uh, I, for the very first time, watched the 1951, the thing from another world. Great flick. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, but one of the things about it was like, th- th- there's just a lot of kind of generic characters. It's like, wait, who's who? I'm, I'm, I'm getting it mixed up in terms of like placing faces, uh, names to faces. You know.
0: Well, listen, I want to uh, work. and. I wanted to, uh, uh since, you know, you, 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 said they're all generic science guys. I did want to give some of these characters names <laughs> because they're funny to me. All right. Cause it's it <laughs> all right, here. Hang on. Let me pull this up here because it makes me laugh. All right. So you have Dr. Sandra Holverson. All right. Yes. You have, then there's Griggs. There's Ed, Edvard Wolner, Lars, Olaf, Peter, Jonas, Henrik, Carl with a K, Colin, Matthias. It sounds like the Norwegian hockey team. <laughs> I'm just saying.
1: I mean, yeah, you know, maybe there's some hockey fans, and they're just like, yeah, the, we need we need some uh, Norweg, Norwegian names. I think so. that, I
0: think they honestly googled the Nor- Norwegian national team and just named their characters yeah. after players on it. Yeah, that's my mm-hmm. sense, two cents on that one.
1: Yeah, um, and then there's Mr. Echo.
0: And yeah, which I didn't think was him at first. I thought it was the other the other guy who looks similar, who's in that Lupin show. But it's not him. It was Mister Echo. I was wrong. I've never
1: yeah, I've never seen Lupin. So Lupin's good, good show. Yeah, it's all in well, French. Well, wasn't this around the time? Was oh no, I, I guess Lost was was it done at this point? But he had long he had he'd been off,
0: yeah he'd been off the show for a while. It it is funny though because like, I was. It, and I think that's why I wasn't thinking about it being Mr. Echo, and I thought it was the Lupin guy. Because I'm like, but then I was like, oh yeah, this movie is actually older than I think it is. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's part of the problem. Yeah. I'm thinking this is like a fairly new movie, and it's actually like almost 15 years old at this point.
1: Yeah, that's that's it's get, crazy.
0: Getting close, at least. And getting I mean, close, you know, just, close, just because it was released in 2011 doesn't mean it wasn't filmed in like 2008 or 9 even.
1: I mean, I think it was. I, I think it was probably filmed in in twenty ten. Mm. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, they they didn't spend long on those special effects. Yeah. Uh, I
0: don't know. <laughs> well, like I said, I don't have much else to say about this this movie. Um, I I, I mean, for for the absolute adoration that I have for carpenters, uh, I feel uh, absolutely nothing for this one. It is uh, completely devoid of of anything remotely interesting or entertaining. Uh, it it, it kind of is like a it's it's kind of a curiosity if you want to check it out you can like i don't think uh, there's there's probably worse movies you could watch but you know i I don't think you're gonna get anything out of this one go watch just rewatch rewatch carpenters because that's got so many things going on in it it's so layered it's so complex (laughs) you you can play the guessing game the entire movie like trying to figure out who's doing what when you know when does someone get into the blood bank and, and, and do all that stuff like when do all these things happen when does Wilfred right. Brimley turn? You know, like like figure this out. Like it's fu- it's a fun game to play. Yeah, and you know I know, yeah. I know there's some cycles on the internet that way, go way down that rabbit hole, but I'm not going to do it. I just want the entertainment value. Yeah.
1: yeah, and I mean it's it's expertly crafted. It is. Yeah, I. It's it's, an, it's interesting because because the 2011 basically just tried to remake yeah. John Carpenter's the thing. You end up with kind of a study in sort of like how to make a film with palpable paranoia versus how not to. Right. Um, So it's, it's interesting in that sense, you know, it's like if you're, if you're a film student or something, you know, and you want to see like, Oh, here's, an expert way of doing it and here's here's a not so expert way of doing it and i don't you know i don't want to be too mean about it but I, I mean i honestly i just i just felt like this sucks <laughs> i watched it well, like you know wow we
0: talked we talked talk about it with with carpenters the the isolation element of of that of the film and the, and the characters you know completely cut off from everything down there right the, in this movie, the Norwegians just, they kind of come and go as they please, right? Like Dr. Yeah. Edvar, what's his name, shows up. He flies in and out all the time. You know, he's going out to recruit Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and he's bringing uh, Eric Christian Olsen with him. And it's like it, it, you don't feel cut off from the world the way that you do in Carpenters. And I think that, yeah. I think a that lends helicopter. a lot of things. I think that lends to, to uh, the lack of tension because these characters are showing that they just come and go as they please. Like we, you know, uh, um, and then there's the other scene where after they make the discovery of the, of the alien and like, they're having like a party and they're all getting along with each other. And it's like, no, 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 you don't, this doesn't feel isolated to me at all. This doesn't feel like characters who have been around each other for six months and can't stand the way they smell.
1: That's a commentary about, Norwegian European culture versus American.
0: I mean, it, it very well could be. I mean, uh, uh, you know, I've been to Europe enough to know that that uh, they're they're more comfortable in, in small confined places than Americans are. That's for sure. <laughs> you know, and and maybe their mentality is different. But uh, to me, that 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 changes the tone. You know, when when you when you just have these characters that get along well, and it's like, all right, so they'll be sad when that guy dies. <laughs> so, like, okay. <laughs> You know, yeah. it's, it's like there's that scene in 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 *Carpenters* when when McCready's got him all tied up, and and he's testing the blood, and the blood doesn't react, and so it means McCready just killed a guy who wasn't the thing. And McCready's like, "Yeah, right. well, you know what? Fuck off! <laughs> like, don't care. Me or him?" And yeah, I, well, I like he, that.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, like Child's uh, Child says, you know, that makes you a murderer, and he completely ignores yeah doesn't the comment. Any, yeah, he's like. I'm just doing what I got to do. Yeah. Plus Clark was coming at him with a scalpel. No, so 100% sure I'm not sure true. it qualifies as murder. And,
0: and they they had foreshadowed that really nicely uh, a couple different yeah. times. Uh, but it, it's yeah. just, it just, like I said, it just changes the tone when you don't have characters who already don't like each other. Like there's already tension right. in that team, you know? So like, this yeah. is just pushing people to the edge already. That's uh, what I think makes it so dynamic. So that when the paranoia comes in, it's like, is that son of a bitch, that son of a bitch that I know, or is it that son of a bitch that's going to kill me? Right. You know, you do, yeah. you just don't get that in this new movie with the, with this crew that seems to really enjoy being around each other and singing uh, Norwegian drinking songs.
1: Yeah. They all like it. Yeah. That, yeah. That's very true. Yeah. Um, I don't, don't, again, I
0: don't know if that's intentional or if they just don't think that, think these things out because again, the, we're, we're very far removed from the eighties when the, these Antarctic missions meant like you were gone for six months to a year or longer.
1: I honestly I honestly I would say I don't think they thought it out because what what I think is one of the most ridiculous scenes in the movie is is the test scene because you remember if you remember when Mary Elizabeth Winstead like puts the three who don't have fillings off to the side right like they just start screaming and acting like maniacs <laughs> you know like they i was did, like yeah. where is this coming from <laughs> like it it, it it was just so over the top and maybe that could have been more justified if like you said they were at each other's throats already but the way it is in the movie is like it just like all of a sudden these these dudes just start acting like insane people.
0: Yeah, they, they they never really could get the, the paranoia thing figured out in the, in the newer one. No. You know, it, no, it never, it never feels like they're all against each other, right? It feels like they're teams. You know, like there's yeah. different sides of it. And then, uh, I don't even know if I should... I, I feel like we're talking about this movie way too much for something we didn't like. Well, we can switch back to the... I know the carpenter one.
1: I feel like we've hardly touched on the good ones.
0: I, I don't know what else to say about that one either. Cause it's great. Just fucking watch it. <laughs> it's
1: it, it, yeah. It's, you know, I mean, I, I
0: don't know what else to say about that one because it's, it's incredible. Uh, it, I mean, you're seeing a uh, like, uh, glorious filmmaking at its best. I, uh, they, they're, I, you, you know, you hit on the cinematography, you say you hit on the set design. The, the cast is awesome. I, it's, it's perfect. It's perfect. It's almost a perfect movie.
1: I, I mean, I will say like after, after this, this last watch of it, I, it, it it is a perfect movie for me. I think, I think it's like, it's a fucking 20 out of 10. Like it's just, it's, and I, I it's John Carpenter's masterpiece, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and I think just every, every tool in his toolbox, he just, he utilizes so well and it, it, we keep using that word perfect you know but it's it's just all perfectly placed and it all comes together john carpenter at the height of his filmmaking powers
0: yeah and i, and I think at this point too it's a very different kurt russell than we'd seen cinematically speaking i don't think we'd seen a kurt russell like this
1: to this point well on, only in um only in Escape from new york
0: but that's later isn't it
1: no was escape, escape, from, new york was escape from new york was 81 this one's 82 okay and it's why it's why Macready has the same hair as Snake. Oh, is it really? He he, yeah, he didn't have to cut his hair; he just had to grow the beard. I, I heard it took him a long time to grow that beard. I think he said it was like a year or something like that.
0: That's pretty intense. Yeah, but yeah, I, I mean, that's a
1: that's a nice that's a good beard.
0: Well, you know, in a, you know, Kurt Russell not wasn't the the bankable star that he would become at this point because yeah. I, I had read that he was not high on the studio's list for MacReady, like a bunch of other people were were offered the role first and ultimately all turned it down for various reasons, scheduling conflicts or whatever.
1: Did people turn it down? I had heard that um, Carpenter just couldn't find someone that was working for him.
0: <laughs> couldn't find someone who was working? Oh, really? Was, like, like was, yeah, just like, was, like, like just
1: fit the role. And he ended up eventually coming to Kurt Russell and just asking him to do it.
0: I mean, it makes sense, right? I mean, why not? Uh, yeah,
1: and, you know, it's kind of... It's interesting. If Kurt Russell hadn't been in the thing, I mean, I'm sure him and Carpenter would have worked together again, but, like, you know, would they have had as, uh, as, uh, as much of a, a sort of collaborative relationship with each other if Kurt Russell wasn't in the thing?
0: Right. Exa- yeah. Sure, 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 sure. That makes sense. I, I swear I had read something uh, on IMDb about the casting of Harrison, or of, uh, <laughs> Harrison Ford of, uh, of Kurt Russell, but I'm, I'm having a hard time finding it at the moment. But there's so much stuff on here that it's uh, – oh, here it is. Let we go ahead and read this? I'll, re- I'll go ahead and read this off of IMDb. Let me know if, you, if any okay. of this rings a bell or if you can be like, no, 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 that's true. Someone made some shit up. All right? So this is in the trivia section for the thing on IMDb. Okay. The casting of MacReady proved to be difficult. Many A-list actors met with Universal and read for the role of MacReady, but nearly everyone turned it down. Nick Nolte, the Chop choice, immediately rejected the offer, and the role was also turned down by Jeff Bridges, Tom Barringer, Christopher Walken, Scott Glenn, Roy Scheider, Chris Christopherson, Sam Shepard, Jack Thompson, Tom Atkins, and Don Johnson. Screenwriter Bill Lancaster wrote the script with Harrison Ford or Clint Eastwood in mind for the lead role, but both re- and both received offers. Although some of the aforementioned names showed interest, namely Christopherson, Shepard, and even Ford. Nearly everyone turned it down due to their issues with scheduling, filming in the extreme cold, and or appearing in a quote-unquote B movie. Producer Mm -hmm. Stuart Cohen recalls the only person who genuinely seemed enthusiastic about the role was then-newbie Fred Ward, but Universal passed on him because they wanted a bigger name. Kurt Russell was hired as a last resort effort and on recommendation from Carpenter as Universal was initially skeptical that he was quote-unquote too young and pretty to play the rugged and brawny McCready. However, with principal filming ready to begin just a week away, and with the B-roll already shooting, the studio helplessly hired Kurt
1: Russell. I, I mean, I have not heard heard it in that much detail, but, you know, it makes sense. You know, and my understanding is, is that Kurt Russell was brought in last minute, that, that it was very close to, to shooting, so...
0: I would have been cool with Fred Ward. I like Fred Ward.
1: <laughs> I like Fred Ward. I think Harrison Ford, he's a curmudgeon. He could have been great in
0: that role. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. Uh, again, this is a bit of a, a side tangent here, but uh, um, on, on his new series, the, uh, the 1923 that he's doing on Paramount+, Plus. Apparently the cold is his biggest complaint about shooting that show is that they film okay. it in Montana in the winter and he hates yeah. it. <laughs> uh,
1: he's like 80, of course he does. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting that uh the screenwriter Lancaster had um Clint Eastwood in mind, and then it goes to Kurt Russell, who escaped from New York is basically doing a Clint Eastwood. Impression. It yeah, is. That's, that's very true too. <laughs> you know, and and Kurt Russell even said uh, when he did Snake that he was thinking of Clint Eastwood because he was uh, going off against Lee Van Cleef. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, that so, makes yeah
1: that makes sense. It, yeah. it
0: it also is funny too to to you know to hear the description of the movie as, as being like a B movie, which is I, I, something about that makes me laugh because like yeah it is, but I mean. Also, look at the results. <laughs> I mean, yeah. how many of these guys are kicking themselves for not being in it?
1: Yeah, I, you know, I mean, it's also just—it's it's a sign of the times that you know something, something like this would be considered a B movie, whereas today, you know, I mean, today it wouldn't be considered a B movie. You know, in 2011, they set out to remake it essentially uh, because they knew it was a, a viable. Viable property stuff like this isn't really seen as B. No, it's almost, anymore. It's almost
0: like they they use the term B movie to like d- uh, diminish these things, you know. When the truth is that if you have a a, a, a capable screenwriter and and a director and, and and a cast that just takes the material as seriously and it helps elevate it, then I mean that's that becomes A list like or a a, a top tier kind of movie. I'm not, I don't know. I'm not know i am going to skip the A metaphor, but. You know, yeah. I guess it's a B movie because it's like a monster of the you know m- you know monster matinee movie kind of movie. You know, like you'd see back in the day or whatever. But yeah, dude, when you have talented people in in the important positions, like you can raise the stakes on that stuff and turn all that stuff into gold. And that's exactly what they do in this movie. Like, can you imagine someone looking at the thing and being like, "Oh, that's a B movie. Get the fuck out of
1: here." <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you know, but. It, 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 you know, at the time, though, it's like, yeah, I, I mean, nobody, nobody was on that movie really, really proven. It was John Carpenter's biggest budgeted movie because he had made, you know, a string of profitable movies, uh, but it was still, you know, I, I, I think people at the maybe I'm wrong, but I think at the time, like, there were, there were people still doubting him as well, and. You know, bec- i I think because it ended up not doing well, um, uh, you know, Carpenter, the the studios I think had less trust in Carpenter after this didn't do well because he ended up taking a lot of the blame for it in the uh, in in uh, amongst the critics. You know, like they were calling him things, uh, uh, pornographer of violence and things like that. And apparently Starman, like he did Starman as like his apology. That was like his apology tour. Like he was told this will put you in good graces with the studios again. And it's one of the reasons why he made it.
0: Berkeley in Hollywood sounds awful. (laughs) It just sounds awful. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it sucks.
1: Um, It didn't, it it, didn't diminish.
0: I'm sorry. I was going to say, no, and that's not a shot at Starman. Starman's a really good movie. It, it really. Is I've never good.
1: seen Starman. It's one of the few I haven't seen. No, it's it's a problemers. really it's a
0: really good picture. But it, it's sort of it is sort of like this weird. Um, it 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 does stand out on his resume. We're like Starman, <laughs> really?
1: Okay. Well, that and and, and memoirs of an invisible man. Oh, I did forget he did that too. Yeah. Yeah, it's, but the, he only he only directed it. He did it. Right, right, right.
0: And this, um, this is one of the few movies he does not he didn't do the score for either.
1: He does a little bit of it. Apparently, he he did some of his synth stuff to to fill in the gaps. But yeah, a lot of it is uh, Ennio Morricone. It's a great score.
0: No, it really, it really, really is. Everything in this movie is great. I mean, I, I, I It's awesome. Just fucking watch it, people. Mark, what would be, what would be Carpenter's next best science fiction movie? Not counting the thing. Where would you go next?
1: Science fiction movie.
0: Yes, because I want. I don't want you. I don't want you. Don't, don't bring the horror ones in here either.
1: Okay. All right. Hold on. I gotta. I gotta. I gotta. I gotta look at his library here. It's um, quite the list. C- because I haven't. Like there's a couple Carpenter films I still haven't seen. Um, but really, I mean, I guess I. I guess I would just have to say "Escape from New York." You're going I mean, to it's 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 one of my favorites of his, anyways. So, I I think it would have to be that one. I, I've I've never seen what is it, Dark Star? Right. Yeah. Um. Uh, of Mars is a. That, horrendous that that's a horrendous nightmare. <laughs> like I remember watching it just being like, What what happened to, to John Carpenter? <laughs> um, you know, that, as I like I I love John Carpenter and and I think he's great because he'll give a full throated defense to every single one of his movies. He absolutely owns them. Um and I, and I think that's awesome. But I you know, it's just not a, a it's just not a movie I didn't think it was very well made.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess it, I, <laughs> I, I think it has to be escape from from New York. Um, I, I, there's a part of me that wants to say they live, but it it can't be they live.
1: <laughs> I love like, okay. I love
0: that movie, but it can't be.
1: No, it can't. And, and they they live is fun. Um, I just think, like, the last half hour of that movie just really... It, it just gets a little too cornball and silly. <laughs> it's like they they stopped this alien invasion by blowing up a satellite on the side of a building. <laughs> okay.
0: You know, it, it,
1: it looks like, you know, it's a satellite the size of a of a dish network dish on some side of someone's house.
0: but so, Okay, so I, 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 I kind of steered you here for a reason, because I, I did want you to say, I was, I was pretty confident you'd say Escape from New York. Now, okay. we, we've, been, we've been mocking the 2011 thing for essentially being a, a, a beat for beat remake of Carpenter's 82, The Thing. Yeah. But <laughs> Carpenter is no stranger to that move himself because sure. I would say Escape from LA is basically a beat for beat ripoff of Escape from New York.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it more or less is, and I, th- I you know, people it's, it like people are not fans of Escape from LA. That's that's one of his ones that gets derided a lot. Um, so I mean, I, I think I think in general people are a little more consistent on that. So it's. You know, I, I I don't see any sort of inconsistency there in terms of you know we're criticizing the two thousand and eleven remake and people criticize escape from l a for the same reasons. But I'm inconsistent on this because i I know there there are many, many, many problems with escape from l a, but I kind of like it.
0: so no, i I am in the same boat. I kind of like it too, for all of its flaws and everything too. Uh, in yeah. like the complete ridiculousness of them, like of of Snake Plissken surfing in to, to, to attack yeah. everybody. I'm yeah, just like what are we doing
1: here? I almost <laughs> feel like like when when people talk about that movie and why they don't like it, that is like the main thing people talk. I feel like if they had just not put that scene in it, <laughs> maybe people would have a slightly higher opinion of that movie. <laughs> you they're, know, they're, because because I, I think I think there's a lot of good stuff in that in terms of a lot of like kind of inside Hollywood jokes and stuff like that. There's a lot of
0: satire in that one,
1: which which
0: is very interesting to me, you know, as opposed to uh, escape from New York, which is very straightforward, you know, future dystopian future sci-fi thing, you know, this this one escape from LA had a lot more kind of like social commentary than maybe one would have expected. And I don't mean social commentary, commentary in the sense of like, you know, we need to be more aware of these things. It just was like kind of lampooning Hollywood. Yeah,
1: which I definitely very respect. <laughs> I,
0: yeah, I'm a big fan yeah. of that at all times. And you get you get well, Bruce it, Campbell as that plastic surgeon guy. That's there's, yeah. there's good stuff in that flick.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, absolutely. And um, you know, I, I I love the way it ends uh, with Snake Plissken just like turning Turn off the off world. The world. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like that. This character's awesome.
0: No, I know. I was, you know I was always sad that they never got to do the third one, the Escape from Earth movie. They want. They Escape from about.
1: Earth. Yeah. 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 I I I agree. I'm disappointed they they never got to I'm disappointed they never got to return to Snake in any capacity. Like whatever you think of Escape from LA, I think I think people are forgiving of it enough that they would they still want to see that character again. Yeah. Um it'd be interesting, you know. They could do like a a Logan esque story with the character maybe at this point, if if John Carpenter and Kurt Russell felt so inclined. You know, like, or maybe like Unforgiven, something like that. Kind of go back to the Clint Clint Eastwood influence. But um, I, 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 to, to your point, though, I, I think the, th- the the thing about Escape from LA, though, you know, we're talking about the the different the difference between Escape from LA and 2011's thing is is the characters and and the satire, and it, it's just that still makes that movie somewhat enjoyable you don't have any of that with, with the 2011 thing. You know, just the, the characters are all just kind of lifeless. I like Mary Elizabeth Winstead in the movie. She's fine, but.
0: Yeah, and, you know, that,
1: yeah.
0: I don't... <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you just can't, you just, you just don't fuck with the masters, you know? And and Carpenter's a master. You know, again, I know he's, he's one of these directors who I don't think has gotten, had gotten, his his sort of due in Hollywood until maybe like the last 10 or 15 years after he sort of had retired from directing anyways, which is sad. Yeah. But uh, uh, like the man knows what he's doing behind the camera.
1: Yeah, you know, yeah, it, it's interesting because, um, yeah, I mean, the, the thing not doing well really kind of set him on, I, I guess, I don't want to say downward trajectory because that makes it sound like I'm putting down the rest of his movies. And I think, I think he has a really good library until the mid nineties. Um, you know, but, but, but the, the thing not doing well did kind of, I guess, I guess tarnish his reputation amongst Hollywood filmmakers.
0: But, at this, but, you know, I, I, I think,
1: <clears throat> excuse me,
0: I think also, and again, I don't know if this connects to the thing or not, but at some point, somehow, some way, John Carpenter kind of became like, this, the, like the whipping boy of the critics. And, mm-hmm. th- we're t- and this is a time when uh, a critical opinion of, of movies was you know, very important to its box office. You, know, you had guys like Siskel and Ebert, and they were sort of setting the tone. And they were telling yeah. people, don't go see this. You know, and, right. and Ebert was on the don't go see this boat with the thing. And like, <laughs> these are guys that are damaging Carpenter's reputation. And it, it impacting what he's gonna be doing creatively and how those movies are gonna be perceived uh, from now on, like uh, you know, Carpenter's never been. I don't think Carpenter's had a huge like box office hit in forever. Uh, you know, throughout no. the eighties. I mean, most of his movies were never like monster box office performers. But I mean, a lot of his best films, in my opinion, were the ones that were the bombs. You know, like The Thing, and you know, my personal one of my personal favorites, Big Trouble, Little China. Box office disaster. Was that a bomb? I, yeah. Box office disaster. They couldn't believe how poor it did. You know, uh, yeah. there, uh, there's another one I'm thinking of too. Um, gosh darn it! now I'm blanking on it. But you know, Car- Carpenter just kind of got. Uh, I mean, they live. Uh, 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 any of them. I mean, you can go through his resume and like see the opening weekend numbers, and you're like, ooh, that's rough. And you right. know, he. J- I think he just kind of got beat up by by these critics and and you know studio people because he's always been a very Indiv- individualistic person. You know, he's always had his idea of the stories he wants to tell as opposed to just being a director for hire.
1: Well, I think that, I think that's the thing is he's, he's an uncompromising filmmaker
0: Yeah, and
1: like, and I think that really helped him at the start of his career. And then, yeah, he started doing things that just, you know, critics didn't, didn't like and and then a lot of people also did, didn't didn't like you know I, I yeah it's weird i don't know because my understanding about the thing is that even amongst audiences it was kind of mixed you know what i mean so i you know I, I don't i don't think film critics have that much power even I mean, even back then when there were only a few of them you know i, I I, th- I think I, th- I, I, I think his stuff just didn't find it, its audiences until until video because I you know I remember the first time we saw Big Trouble in Little China you had rented it from like Seven Eleven or something like that.
0: I'm pretty sure and it was all like
1: all video in Twinbrook, but okay, <laughs> maybe maybe it was all video. Um, you know, but like we were very young. And that's, that was the kind of thing that, you know, if we were old enough, we would have been, we would have lined up around the theater to to go see it. Uh, but maybe it just wasn't appealing to adult movie going aged audiences, at least in mass. I I don't know. I, you know, it's, it's hard to say. It's
0: hard to say. there's always, You know, there's always a, a million reasons why one movie is a success and why another one isn't. And yeah. you know, I, you know, I know. It seems like when I when I read through the trivia stuff on on Carpenter movies on IMDb, there seems to be like one recurring theme where it's like whoever's in charge of promoting the movie, you know, they don't know what kind of movie they have. They have no idea right. how to market it, you know. And that seems to be like a recurring element in, in a lot of his stuff. You know, I know that affected Big Trouble Little China. I know that affected uh, the they, the they live. You know, a bunch of his movies are are just sort of. Um, Again, I just I you know I hate using it because it's kind of a cliched expression, but like they're just kind of ahead of their time, in in, in mm-hmm. a lot of senses. And so like these these marketing people who are paid to figure out these things don't know what kind of movie they have. You know, my recollection yeah. of of Big Trouble is that it was uh, marketed as like some sort of like uh, um, Kurt Russell comedy movie almost.
1: Okay. I haven't again, seen it. That's, I, I don't, that's I don't my very vague recollections.
0: And you, yeah. you could, but I mean, watch the trailers for Big Trouble, and and it's it's kind of confusing what movie you think you're gonna get when you go see it. Like it shows a lot. It, it gives away way too much. The trailer yeah. does because like, again, they didn't know what how to market it at all. So just they just threw everything in the trailer. Like here, look, see it all. No surprises. But yeah, you know, but there's there's they're still they're still framing it like it's this uh, that Kurt Russell's like our our. Uh, you know the quote unquote hero, and he's he's kind of the sidekick in the entire movie, which is the funny part, and no one seems to get yeah. the joke, <laughs> right? Yeah, and you know, like, I, stuff like that just baffles the, the the Hollywood people, I guess. You know, and it's just like, no, that's why it's awesome. <laughs> it's it's a right. guy who's a sidekick, but thinks he's you know, is, is Robin thinking he's Batman? It's awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, I think in, in particular about the, the thing also. Two things that, that I think hurt it, and a lot of people will will say that that these things really hurt it. Is one, it was released two weeks after E.T. I,
0: I had read this too. Yeah. So you
1: so you had a very family-friendly alien movie that was doing very well at the box office. And then you've got the thing going up <laughs> against that. And Spielberg's <laughs> already a name at that point. And but the other can you imagine seeing this movie in June? Like, this should have come out in, like, November or October or something like that. Like, like it, it's a strange feeling to walk into a movie theater in June or July and watch a movie take place in Antarctica about a snowstorm locking people into this horrible nightmare situation. You know what I mean? Sure. It's like, I, I, especially at the time, I just I just don't think... Just don't think audiences were were ready for it.
0: No, I mean not 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 the ET audience. That's for sure. They... Yeah, <laughs> you know.
1: I mean, the trailer for for the thing is awesome. And if you saw that trailer and it convinced you to go see the movie, I don't know why you'd be thinking like, oh, an alien movie. It's going to be like ET.
0: <laughs> what well, I don't know. Maybe. I know Carpenter's not wasn't like initially a fan of it. I don't know if he's uh, softened his stance over the years or not, but I love that Drew Struzan poster for the, for the thing. I think it's
1: so cool. Oh, the Parker with like the light coming out of the face. Yeah, yeah. I it's grown on me. I, I think I, I and I think it's one of the reasons why I didn't see it until see the movie until I was older was because I I would remember seeing the box cover. I like blockbuster and stuff. I remember, it just didn't strike me as very compelling and then eventually I, I heard like oh no this is like a the thing is like a thing that you should see and so I was like oh I'll I'll check it out then
0: yeah I mean I think I think you know I picked it up because I was a huge Kurt Russell fan and I was becoming a bigger Carpenter fan at that time and I was like oh let me check this one out you know this is like one of the ones I hadn't seen yet and I was getting you know DVDs were a new thing and I was working at Circuit City and I was like yeah yeah I'll, I'm gonna grab the thing I think it was like I don't know 10 bucks, 12 bucks, something like that. It wasn't like super expensive.
1: Yeah. Well,
0: eh, maybe it was. DVDs were kind of expensive when they first came out, weren't they? I made a, maybe I paid like 20
1: something for it. They're like 20, 25. Yeah.
0: yeah. I made it, I made it paid up for it. But, you know, at the time, I was just was like, I just wanted to try some... I just wanted to check out a DVD on my computer. I was like, let's get the thing. That sounds cool as hell. Like I said, yeah. it, was, it was definitely one of the first DVDs I ever bought, if not the first DVD I bought. Yeah. Um, uh, Mark, I don't know what else to say about it. It's a great picture. What uh, how do we how do we tell the people to check this movie out and to not sleep on this one for the ha- for the Halloween season?
1: I'm, it's just it, it's classic, brilliant cinema. It it it's flawless. It executes on on every level. It's it's lean. It's mean. Carpenter's simple style has really grown on me over the years because. You know, I, there's nothing. There's actually nothing simple about it. Like it looks simple, but it's. You see the way he uses the camera it, and it, it and it the blocking was, of characters yeah. and stuff like that. You know, like this is really really expert it's, stuff. It's
0: all done on purpose with intent. And
1: yeah, and and it, he just has a very classic style, you know, and and I, and I think it's great. It's it's. I know the the sort of uh, natural
0: inclination at this time of year is to watch those slasher movies and I get it. they're fun. I love them too. But sometimes you need horror that is elevated that is just in a, on a different level playing its own game. like this movie's playing chess when all the other ones are playing checkers, bud it's, this is good stuff. I and mean, this is like a thinking man's
1: horror movie, just like McCready. At the beginning, playing chess.
0: That's right. Drinking his J&B scotch, playing chess.
1: J&B scotch, playing chess, fuck that computer. Fuck
0: that computer. Wilford Brimley's uh, is not even selling oatmeal. He doesn't even have a beard in this one. Come on. Mustache. No, he didn't have a mustache in this, did he?
1: No, but oh, he, mean, yeah. he's famous for, for the mustache, mustache yeah. not yeah. the beard. Yeah.
0: You know. that, yeah, he wasn't managing the New York Knights just yet. so yeah, no, He's no just famous,
1: famous for two things. Three things. Mustache, oatmeal. Diabetes. Diabetes. <laughs> no one can talk about Wilford Brimley without mentioning diabetes.
0: Did you notice in this one? I, 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 again, I've seen this movie a thousand times, and I don't know if I ever really paid attention to it, but you notice in the credits his name's A. Wilford Brimley? No, I didn't. And I was like, wait, is he A. Wilford Brimley in everything? Or does he drop the A at some point?
1: Now it's I, not just like... A Wilford Brimley no, like he's a, a, a Wilford Brimley A. a
0: dot Wilford Brimley <laughs> Like Anthony or something I don't know Anthony Wilford Brimley Antonio Antonio, <laughs> Antonio yes <laughs> it's definitely Antonio Oh man all right Mark um, let's let's I think we need to put a bow on
1: this puppy Uh oh, oh I I think this is also just a little trivia but I think this is also um, Keith David's like first First major I, role. I, do, I think you're right about that, and I I, I love me some Keith David. That
0: guy's yeah, awesome. He's great. Whenever yeah. he shows up in something, I'm happy.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know Keith also, David. Also in They Live. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> not afraid of working with Carpenter again.
1: Yeah, Keith Keith David, uh, Kurt Russell, and Wilford Brimley get all the attention in this movie, and I think rightfully so. But everyone everyone's great in it. It's
0: it's a really nice ensemble cast. Um, I, I forget the name of the other actor. Um, who plays the other doctor on there, but he's another great character actor as well.
1: Richard Dysart, I think. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. He's a great character yeah. actor. Uh, Charles Hallahan's yes. an awesome character actor. Uh, I, I I love seeing like younger D- Donald Moffat because all I think about him is as the president in Clear and Present Danger,
1: yelling at Harrison Ford. Oh, that's who he is. I was like, I know this actor from somewhere, but... I, I, I didn't place it. Yeah, I've, he, I've he's seen. one of those
0: guys who's just in so many different things as like old white guy, you know, old yeah. white guy with power mostly. But he's yeah. he's he really does, great in this.
1: He just kind of have like a Mitt Romney look to him.
0: <laughs> he kind of <laughs> does. You know, he does. He was also – I think he was um – didn't he play the president in The Right Stuff too?
1: It's been so long since I've seen The Right Stuff.
0: Yeah, me too, honestly, but – Thought he played like Lyndon Johnson, <laughs> so like could be. He...
1: That sounds that sounds familiar. That sounds right actually.
0: Yeah, but I mean, he's, yeah. God, I'm looking at his resume right now. He's been in a million things. He's been He's been been in a bunch of Law and Orders, the right, the West Wing. Yeah. God dang, that's a quite. He's got quite the resume. Besides Clear Present Danger. Yeah. Any hoot, but yeah, it's a it's a wonderful cast, and you know Keith David, come on. He's gonna go yeah. fight he, In a couple years time, he's gonna go fight Roddy Piper for 15 to 20 minutes in a movie. It's gonna be amazing. <laughs>
1: Yeah, if you haven't seen it, uh, South Park does a great does a great spoof of that fight.
0: <laughs> well, I don't think I have seen it. I'll have to look for that. Awesome. awesome. I
1: think it's it's like I, the, the two um, like Timmy in the wheelchair and is it Jimmy? Oh, is it the cripple fight? It's the cripple fight. Yeah.
0: When like, Cartman runs all over town busting into churches yelling cripple fight and everyone leaves like, yes. the church.
1: And it's just <laughs> these two handicapped kids beating the shit out of each other for I like 20 remember, minutes.
0: I do remember that episode now. Okay.
1: All right. Yeah. I was
0: going to say, your South Park references have to be very specific, like seasons one through ten, or else I don't know any of them.
1: But, yeah, that's that's very true. I don't <laughs> – yeah. I probably only know one through four. <laughs>
0: all right people go watch the thing you can watch the 2011 one if you want to or if you make a horrible mistake oh actually you know what I should bring that story up real quick just to share with you because you'll, you'll laugh uh, I was okay. texting a friend of mine he was looking for movies to watch while his uh, wife was out of town and he'd been on a kick with Netflix he's younger than us by like 10-ish years or so but he'd been okay. on a kick on Netflix uh, right now Netflix has like a bunch of like 80s flicks so he's been kind of going through a bunch of these old 80s movies that he didn't see because he didn't grow up with them like we did yep. and he's been having a blast so one of the ones I, I suggested was the thing, And then I, that, was, <laughs> that was late at night. And so I get up the next morning and he's like, "Oh, I had said something, I was like, "Hey, watch the thing. It's like a, a masterpiece of the cinema. Check it out. It's so good." And then he wrote back he's like, "Oh, I saw I had like really bad reviews." And I was like, "Are we talking about the same thing?" And then he looked, and he's, he looked and he's like, "Oh." No, I was looking at the 2011 thing. I was like, "Yeah, don't watch that one." And I I hadn't even watched that one at that point. I hadn't even watched that one at that point. (laughs) So I was like, "No, no, no, don't, don't watch that one. You want John Carpenter's the thing." I was very specific. John Carpenter's the thing. And uh, yeah, yeah, he he was a big fan. He was he said he was uh, endlessly entertained by it.
1: Yeah, yeah, amazing, amazing how good stories and good filmmaking just holds up over the years and
0: Yeah, hundred percent. You know. All right my friend. Uh since it is uh you know we're right up on Halloween time. Well what are you watching for this for the spooky season? Anything else on your on your resume or resume? Lately on I've just plate. been
1: watching like The Thing and stuff like that but um you know I know I've recommended these movies to you um but Cobweb mm-hmm. I think is a really good movie. Um no one will save you on Hulu is a lot of fun. It's not like Halloween spooky, but you know, there there's suspense. There's a you know, spooky-ish feeling to it. Uh that was a lot of fun. Um That's that that's I feel like that's that's kind of it. That's all I've really had time for yeah. this year. I haven't I haven't had too much of a chance to 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 get into anything else.
0: Neither have I. I've developed a really bad habit of uh, starting a movie and then falling asleep during it. Not because it's the movie's fault, but because I'm just really, really tired. You're really tired. (laughs) Uh, But we did watch Megan earlier in the Oh, yeah. Yeah, Megan's fun. We had a lot of fun with Megan. That was a good time. Um, Yeah. You know, I don't know. (laughs) I guess I could just, you know, Blumhouse has just become this really reliable studio where, like, they can do, like, really intense horror stuff, but they also do, like, the lighter stuff, and it's still very fun. Yeah. And I, I think I'm really starting to to appreciate that about them.
1: Yeah. I'm, you know, they're, they're, you know, they, they make, they make a get out and they, they make also some kind of garbage stuff too, like truth or dare. But, um, you know, yeah, but well, yeah, they they, 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 do put out good stuff. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we, gosh, a couple of Halloween's ago, we,
0: you know, I know you and I talked about happy death day. Um, Right. You know, I, was that Blumhouse? I don't remember that being Blumhouse. Pretty, yeah, that was, a, that was a Blumhouse. And then I okay. think they, they did Freaky, which was a lot of fun too. You know, I don't know. There's a, there's a ton you can find right now, especially if you have Amazon Prime. They just put them right on your, in your face. they like, here, watch this. I'm like, okay.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: there's one movie I want to talk to you about, but I'm not going to do it on the podcast. So <laughs> we'll have that part okay. of our conversation. Uh, I also recently revisited Bubba Hotep. Check it out. Oh, Prez. nice!
1: I haven't watched that in years. But yeah. yeah, that's it. that's one that I've I've watched it several times, and like every time I watch it, it's it's better it's than it. than the time before.
0: It's a great Bruce Campbell performance. Aussie Davis is in it. Uh, Don Cors- yeah. uh, was it Chris? I'm saying it. say Cors- Cors- Caselli. Coscarelli. Coscarelli. Yeah, great yeah. director of, of the horror genre. Uh, but yeah, I, I got a few things on my list. I hope to that I'll hopefully get to before Halloween. But yeah, you know, good time of year to watch some fun stuff.
1: Yeah. I would, you know, I just want to say, uh, I, I don't think we mentioned his name at all during this conversation. But um, John Carpenter's the thing. Special effects by Rob team, Like, oh yeah, I thought you did that, say his name at first. Maybe not. I I, I never mentioned Rob team's name, and so I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to do a review of the thing and not mention his name. Yeah, like yeah. that is the the genius. Uh, Creator okay. behind so scene. many of those special effects. Yeah, that would have been a huge oversight.
0: I thought you had said his name at the beginning, but I, I yeah, go, good catch, Mark. Thank you very much. Rob Bottin <laughs> killed it with this film. Yes, probably his, yeah. probably his masterpiece.
1: Yeah, it's. I don't know. I, I don't know if we want to go to a tangent or anything when we're trying to wrap it up, but it's it's crazy the way he he got it. He just kind of like barged into uh, a a meeting that that uh, John Carpenter was having. It's just like, hey, I want to be part of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and Carpenter was like, gave him a chance.
0: Do you remember when McFarland Toys made uh, the thing, action figures? I, yeah, it, I, I didn't I didn't get any though. I didn't I, I don't think I did. I don't think it was, a, it wasn't quite on my radar yet, uh, the thing. I, I don't think I had actually watched it yet. It was a little before I got into it. I just remember you know. the toys being really cool because McFarlane was doing all those kind of like ahead of their time kind of designs and like all the massive points of articulation and everything. Right. And I, but I remember, and like there was like multiple versions of the thing because it's, you know, it's so many different things in the movie. And I was like, yeah. why are there so many versions of this? I, I'll, I'd have to spend like $100 to get all of them. Yeah. But they, they I mean, they were yeah. cool looking. And I know they did one. Uh, I know one of the accessories was, uh, uh, I, I already forgot the actor's name, uh, but his little head with like the spider legs coming out of it.
1: And I was like, that toy, yes.
0: I was like, that is so cool. <laughs> I didn't buy the toy, but I was yeah. like, that's so cool. That's such a neat little thing in there.
1: Yeah, it had the head on the spider legs. It had his head on like the massive, the massive like elongated right. neck. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember it. It was insane. And the detail was, was great. All right, Mark, let's,
0: let's wrap this puppy up. Let's get out of here. Uh, if people, yeah. if for some reason you want to follow this podcast on social media still, we are at TomCastPopCast on Instagram and Twitter still. Mark, are you still following
1: I do still follow, but I I thought I thought you were putting this stuff out under under Mando Vision. Oh no, I can't no, put this out just... under MandoVision. I say fuck too much on this show. <laughs> oh, is the Mando Vision audience opposed to swearing? Uh, I'm opposed to swearing on my, on the Star Wars podcast.
0: <laughs> the audience missed Mark rolling his eyes like you wouldn't believe. He he just put Tony Stark to shame with that eye roll. Yeah, so lame. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Well, fine then. I'm just—I'm being judged, by my brother. It's time to go. Uh, like I said, you can follow us on social media if you want to judge me there. Like Mark is—that's cool. I appreciate it. Uh, otherwise, uh, this podcast will be back at some point. I hope we get to do this a little bit more frequently, uh, rolling in, in, into 2024. But we'll just see how it goes. All right, friends. Uh, stay tuned. Keep make sure you're liking, subscribing, and all that good stuff because th- you never know when this show's going to drop into your feed. So, great. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Not this episode. This episode will be real quick, but I mean like future episodes, Mark, like down the road. No, but... Okay. <laughs> you, you do this then. You record. Well, <laughs> you take I, it we'll over. talk about that. <laughs> well, Let's talk about that. God, all right, you got to go. <laughs> all right. Ciao, Bella, friends. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> Bye. Bye, Popheads.
1: Great story. Compelling and rich.
0: So the tribe drops its third straight on this trip, 6-1 to one, to the Rangers. For the Indians... <laughs> One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got, one goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. We're not gonna be fucking sunk this year! We're the Stanley Cup
1: champions! Yeah!